From Finance and Commerce, this is Beyond the Skyline, a podcast about economic development, commercial real estate, and construction in Minnesota. In each episode, you will meet business leaders, builders, entrepreneurs, and big thinkers. I'm David Bolander, editor of Finance and Commerce. Thanks so much for joining. Beyond the Skyline is sponsored by Ironmark Building Company. Whether it's a new luxury apartment building in the North Loop or expanding the community in the suburbs, Ironmark builds quality projects for discerning clients. Ironmark's foundation is built on a culture of collaboration with clients and projects that stand the test of time. Talk to Ironmark's award-winning team about your next construction project today. Go to ironmarkbuildingco.com. In this episode, James Garrett, the co-owner of Formula Architects, talks to FNC reporter Brian Johnson. Garrett, who was recently elevated to AIA's College of Fellows, discusses what sparked his interest in architecture, some of the more notable projects he's worked on, and other topics. So um, please be joined by James Garrett Jr., um, architect here in town and uh, principal of uh, Formula Architects. Is that right? Yep. So, um, James, I know you've done some pretty exciting work here and uh, were recently honored by the American Institute of Architects um, being inducted into the College of Fellows. So I want to ask you about that for sure. But I wonder if you could start out by, um, for folks who maybe aren't familiar with your firm, talk a little bit about about your firm and when you were founded and the types of work you do and, and so on. Sure, sure. Uh, thank you um, for um, inviting me to, to discuss uh, my firm and my work. Um, my name is James Garrett Jr. I'm the managing partner and co-founder of Formula Architects. Formula stands for, it's a phonetic acronym, stands for Form Plus Urban Landscape Articulation. And I think that's at the essence and the core of who we are and what we try to do. We want to be very intentional, very careful. Um, we focus primarily on cities and um, primarily um, urban infill um, in sort of existing built up areas of cities. So uh, most of our projects, uh, I mean, a lot of them have been um, other things. Sometimes it's adaptive reuse. Uh, we just did an adaptive reuse project where we converted an old abandoned uh, car dealership on University Avenue into an art center for a springboard for the arts. Um, we had to demolish a couple buildings and um, create a new campus for juxtaposition arts in North Minneapolis, which is just finishing up now. Um, we work in a lot of sort of inner city conditions where there's existing infrastructure around, there's existing challenges, uh, there's a context, there's a feel of the neighborhood, and um, there are folks that have inhabited these neighborhoods for years and generations, um, and we want to come in and do something that's that's respectful and, um, you know, um, something that's culturally relevant to the culture of folks that have built that neighborhood up. So we want to add to it and we want to accentuate the good things about communities. And we want to try to, on the other hand, um, mitigate some of the issues and the challenges with, especially in terms of access and in terms of 
um, resources and things like that. So Mm -hmm. uh, that's primarily what we do. Um, We were founded in 2002. Mm -hmm. Um, We just celebrated 20 years uh, this past fall. And, uh, you know, we're hoping to have another 20 in us or more. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So are most of your projects right here in Minneapolis, St. Paul, kind of in the core cities? Yes, the majority of our projects are right here in the core cities, or at least they begin in the core cities. So we do a lot of transit work um, uh, for Metro Transit. Uh, we designed um, all 18 stations along the Green Line uh, back in the day on University Avenue. Uh, we also uh, partnered with uh, Firm Modern New York um, to do Target Field Station, um, which used to be called the Interchange. Um, but that's another, I think that was our first um, New York State award-winning project. Uh, we were partnering with a New York uh, firm on that one. And um, that one also won our first national uh, AIA Urban Design Award. So uh, we're very proud of that. Uh, but we also do um, inner city lines that begin in downtown and extend out into the suburbs. And so we've been doing a lot of bus rapid transit. We just finished the orange line, designing the stations, the southern portion of the stations um, that go out from downtown Minneapolis to Burnsville. Um, we're currently working on the purple line, which is going to go from downtown St. Paul here um, up towards White Bear Lake, probably stopping there in, in North Maplewood. Um, we're also working on um, the Broadway corridor, designing bus rapid transit in Minnesota uh, to really connect Mayo downtown um, to parts um, on the, the outskirts of the community. So they do work in cities and we primarily work in rather difficult, uh, complicated, messy conditions uh, that require uh, a lot of sensitivity, a lot of care, but sometimes some really bold sort of for and um, create synergies and sort of new opportunities where in some areas there there really hasn't been much Mm -hmm. so um, one example of that is working on george floyd square Um, we're working with the city of minneapolis to really try to connect uh community priorities with public safety with um, public utilities and transportation and all of the other functions that cities you know have to have and so how do you put people first and sort of really honor community and um, give them a, a like a primary position um, in the project, but then also understand that fires need to be put out, ambulances and you know uh, fire trucks need to get through, um, law enforcement needs access, you know. So how do you balance those sort of needs and concerns, valid concerns of community with? The realities of urban life so mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. we we do a lot of those really difficult kind of complicated uh projects where it's kind of contended uh contested space and mm-hmm. trying to find middle grounds where we can find exciting ways to to do new things absolutely and what's the status of that george Floyd square project now well, we're still in the community engagement phase, so there's a lot of public engagement activities and meetings going on, and there's the beginnings of some ideas being generated from some of the things that we're hearing, and some of our partners in the project are sort of bringing back information from things they're hearing, and 
mm-hmm. just trying to formulate some some initial ideas at this point that's really rooted in the conversations that have been going on with community. Okay. Yeah, it'll be great to um, keep an eye on that one and uh, looking forward to see, seeing what you come up with there um, in collaboration with the community. Um, I also understand that you've been working on the uh, across the river, the uh, the river balcony project. Is that correct? So we've been working on um, sort of part of that great river passage. Part we've been working on is with W Architecture out of New York, and it is the River Learning Center. So it is the Crosby um, farm um, site that is right there, sort of connected to Hidden Falls. just sort of adjacent to the Ford plant, sort of between the Ford plant and um, the river going, uh, uh, leaving from downtown St. Paul. And mm-hmm. so sort of where those uh, converge uh, right at the Bedote there um, in front of Fort Snelling. So that's been a really interesting project and a really interesting collaboration. Um, we've really come up with some, I think, some interesting concepts uh, and we've vetted them with the public. And we spent a lot of time engaging with the public and listening to a lot of feedback and criticism and uh, complaints and long-term grievances and, and things that uh, I think it's really important to flesh out and to hear and to entertain because um, there's inequities in, in terms of access and you know all these real things that regular people haven't had a chance to sort of vent or put out there. Mm-hmm. And so I think uh, us being there and sort of asking questions and, you know, trying to figure out what's going on, uh, we're always a good sort of, um, you know, target for, you know, these sort of uh, grievances and frustrations and things that sometimes are generations old. And I really think it's important to to be there and to hear that and to to address that and to try to consider that as you come up with design ideas. It's like I'd much rather know what the opposition is and know what mm-hmm. the challenges are and what the historic issues are and you know where the inequality has been, so that we can hopefully design something um, that better serves more people um, in a more humane way. So. Mm-hmm. We, you know, that's that's another um, very visible project that uh, we really enjoy working on. Yeah, no shortage of complexities there. And it sounds like you really have the track record of being able to work on projects like these and have the ability to listen and to hear people out and to see all the different sides of it. So um, do you find that serves you well, maybe gives you some more credibility? when you're jumping into projects like these? I think the most that it gives us is experience. You know, Mm -hmm. we've been doing this work for our entire existence uh, for 20 years. And then even before Mm -hmm. that, um, going back through college, um, you know, I did a lot of this type of advocacy work and community engagement type work um, at the University of California in, in Berkeley. And we did a lot of advocacy as, you know, our student organization and um, we created a book called Community Visions, and we, we really focus on um, trying to understand community and get community's voice out front at the table um, in, the, in the places and spaces that community is usually suppressed. And so those skills and the talents that I developed 
you know, from those years in undergrad um, have served us all well, I think here um, and the rest of the team is is amazing. And, and I think we are the right people to be able sometimes it's like, you know, you're trying to uh, thread a needle. Sometimes you're trying to, you know, avoid the mistakes of the past. You're trying to come up with a bold new vision that is more mm -hmm. inclusive. Um, but you have all these regulatory uh, constraints and you've got budgets. And then, of course, going through COVID with some of these projects, prices for everything have been crazy. And so numbers are all over the place and you're you're just you're trying to hit that, you know, thread that needle and create something that sort of checks as many boxes as possible and and uh, gives people that feeling of, you know, this is this is a beautiful space and it's mine. I see myself in it. and that's really how we measure success is when the general public, uh, when they encounter our spaces, can really see themselves represented there and feel comfortable there. Um, because a lot of times, you know, uh, buildings are built, folks don't really feel comfortable there. They don't see themselves there. Their ideas, their experiences, uh, their stories haven't been captured, aren't being expressed. It's like literally somebody dropped something from Mars, you know, onto a site and it you know, you have no idea where these decisions were made or, you know, you know, doesn't have anything in common with uh, the, the context or the site or the neighborhood. And we're trying to do the opposite of that. We're trying to bubble up from community and then create things that are, you know, really dynamic and new and bold, but they have those roots of um, these are ideas that are generated from and in support of folks in those neighborhoods. Excellent. Looking back over the past 20 plus years now, are there any maybe one or two projects that really stand out where you've been able to really check all those boxes and um, just hit a home run <laughs> or anything that stands out? Yeah. I mean, I think um, some of our more recent projects, well, first I'll start with one of our early projects of the green line. Um, sure. I really love the Green Line stations. Um, I love the art integration we were able to do, um, working with artists from across the country uh, to really create unique uh, sort of community icons um, in each stop. Um, as it passes through a neighborhood, each station looks very different, feels very different. The color, the art, the materials, the textures are all unique. Um, and we worked with artists who had um, community connections and came and met with folks in the neighborhood and really were interested in finding ways to express uh, the differences and celebrate those differences in each part of the, the community. And I think uh, some of the stations are just sublime. Um, I'm thinking in terms of the West Bank station um, with the immigration uh, bird pattern um, uh, metal uh, facade that we worked with uh, Nancy Blum, super talented uh, artist, uh, to create that pattern. And, and at night, it looks like the birds are kind of floating um, up and down the, the stairway. And it's just, it's really beautiful. Um, she also did another one at uh, University of Minnesota East Bank, not far from there, um, near the math and science buildings. And she used uh, hypercloids and spirographs patterns to create these really interesting uh, really beautifully detailed um, aluminum uh, shapes that relate to different mathematical formulas and equations mm -hmm. that are etched into the precast concrete 
that's on the platform and covering the platform. And so it's just a beautiful um, um, experience to be on those platforms and to have really beautiful, smart, creative um, art around you uh, while you're waiting for the train. Um, it feels very personalized. It feels very customized to you know the neighborhood itself and just beautiful expressions of community. So I think I feel like we hit a home run, um, you know, working with all of our partners on the green line. It was a really great experience for us. And um, I think it solidified us as people that could do transit architecture. And we've done, you know, quite a bit um, since then. Um, I'd also say the most recent projects that we're working on, I feel like um, have really um, hit the mark. Um, Springboard for the Arts in St. Paul on University Avenue is one of our favorite projects, one of our favorite clients um, in the office. Um, just a wonderful creative organization that supports artists, um, rural and urban, and uh, really, you know, they they uh, support them in ways that they offer services, they offer access, they offer opportunity. They're sort of a clearinghouse for so many things that the artistic and creative community lacks and they really fill that gap. And so working with them to renovate that old abandoned car dealership um, and to create something very new and very fresh um, with a beautiful rooftop uh, garden that's got solar panels, uh, you know, uh, transparent solar panels on top uh, that frames a beautiful view of the state capitol beyond and the lower town community or the uh, front town community adjacent. It's, I think it's a culmination of a lot of things coming together and it just feels like that organization, you know, you know, that organization and you walk in there and everything feels like it belongs because they really, um, had a really big role in sort of working together in creating, um, the ambiance and the atmosphere and the art. And it's, it's, I think it's a, a great uh, example of community work. And then I'd also say Juxposition, which hasn't quite opened yet, which is almost done, but the Juxposition Arts Campus in North Minneapolis, we've been working on that for, you know, I've been tied to that for 15 plus years. So mm -hmm. it's really been a lifetime of, of work and love and care. I started out teaching um, at Juxposition and um, helping create the architectural program called Enviro Lab, which is still up and running. And working and collaborating with students that are that are uh, going through the Enviro Lab now and trying to involve them and integrate their ideas mm. into the actual uh, building and, and into the campus itself um, has been extremely rewarding. And so I think that's gonna be another one that's gonna have a really strong community pull. And I think they're gonna be able to continue arts education for you know thousands and thousands of, of new students uh, going into the future. Yeah, that's great to hear about the the students. And um, are you seeing maybe some budding young architects there? And I know we've talked a lot about there's a need for more people to be in your profession, especially people of color, uh, to get more diversity and inclusion. Um, what can you tell me about that? Uh, can you speak to, to that a little bit? Definitely. Um, you know, we are doing our best to um really stock the pond in terms of talent here in this market um homegrown talent uh folks that are from here uh from these different neighborhoods and communities diverse communities 
um, that need to have a voice, need to have a platform, um, but need some skills underneath them to be able to really articulate themselves um, in the way that starts to really move the dial forward and create these new kinds of spaces and experiences um, in the cities that we really want to see. And so working through juxtaposition um, years ago, um, we really had so many talented students, one of which um, is running a sign shop, his own sign shop now. And we partner with him and um, buy signage from him uh, quite frequently. Mm -hmm. um, sign Mines in Northeast Minneapolis. Um, we are also very proud of uh, Katisha Pearson, uh, the Dripping Root. She's another just brilliant uh, young student of mine who is just really blossoming and flourishing as an entrepreneur um, mm -hmm. on the south side of Minneapolis. Um, Jeremiah Ellison, who is now the city council person for the neighborhood that Juxta's in, mm -hmm. was a student of mine and, mm -hmm. um, and Roger, and he came up all the way from maybe six, seven years old, um, all the way through high school um, in that program. And, you know, he's an artist by trade, you know, that's mm -hmm. occupation, artist, you know, um, really incredible talent um, that I'd like to think we, we helped uh, develop um, and sharpen there. Um, and then uh, I'd like to give a shout out to Roger Cummings, who is the co-founder of Juxtaposition Arts. His son, uh, Shango Cummings, um, was the youngest student in that program. And I didn't even want to let him into the program because he was so young. I think he was 10 at the time and it was really for high school kids. And I just kept saying, you know, Shango, you know, I love you, but I mean, this, we're going to be doing high school level stuff and like you're 10. Mm -hmm. He just insisted and insisted and insisted. And so finally, I was like, ah, all right. And then who knew? Shango was the one that grew up and he went to my alma mater and studied architecture and graduated. And, you know, nice. and I, I had the pleasure of being able to give, I was asked to give the commencement address at my alma mater at Parsons School of Design in New York City the mm -hmm. year that, that he graduated. And so I was able to, you know, speak directly to him um, and, mm -hmm. and, his classmates. Um, and so how all of that comes full circle, but it started in this, this class at the art center that his parents, um, helped found and that, you know, I taught at and, you know, here he is. So he's an architectural professional now, um, out here, you know, working and, you know, getting his feet wet in the industry and, you know, doing, doing wonderful things. That's really exciting to hear that. And how did you become interested in architecture as a young man? Well, my story isn't quite as exciting. Um, I literally started playing with Legos and Lincoln logs and anything else that I could stack and make stuff with when I was maybe five or six years old. Mm -hmm. And I pretty much decided at that point, whatever this is, this is all I want to do for the rest of my life. Mm -hmm. And, um, so I was one of those, one of those children that knew early on and never really wavered that mm. I loved architecture. I was fascinated with cities and people and buildings, and I wanted to immerse myself in that. And I wanted to do things that would make cities better and help the cities evolve uh, into the 21st century and beyond. And so um, mm. my stories, my story is pretty simple in, in that respect. It's something that you know, from day one, I knew I was fascinated by and I was interested in and, you know, I wanted to climb to the highest levels of whatever that meant. I, I wanted to 
to be at that at that place in this field yeah that's actually really exciting to go from there to having your own successful firm and now the college of fellows can you tell me a little bit about that honor and sort of how that process worked uh were you nominated and kind of walk walk me through that if you don't mind sure uh yes being elevated to the college of fellows was really uh one of the highest individual honors uh nationally that um someone can attain and it is for uh licensed architects um, who are full members of the american institute of architects and essentially uh you're nominated by someone who's already uh, uh an aia fellow and there's a very long process where you're you know answering very specific questions you're trying to sort of explain uh, and make the case for your merit and your inclusion in this top three percent of of all uh, licensed architecture nationally mm -hmm. and um there's a submittal that you put together a submission um it's between 30 and 40 pages and it's basically a career sort of uh portfolio and resume and a lot of writing and uh you basically submit that and there's a group of fellows um on a national committee that is assembled every year to mm -hmm. review from all across the country and um in our cohort i think there were 73 of us from across the country um mm -hmm. uh, and five from the great state of minnesota and so we're we're very proud that we had the same number uh, admitted as New York State, which is obviously a much mm. bigger state where I'm Damn. also licensed. Um, but uh, we feel really good about that, that we have a very strong um, and diverse architectural community here, and we're very tight-knit, and uh, I'm very proud to to be a part of it. Yeah, that's that's very exciting. So you said you've, uh, where, uh, you're also licensed in New York? in new jersey are you, yes. are you from there originally from the east coast or i'm not um i was originally born in the virgin islands on the island of saint thomas okay. um, in a town called charlotte amalia and in a neighborhood uh called estate tutu up in the hills and mm -hmm. uh um my parents uh when i was uh, a baby when i was very little decided to move back uh, stateside here. And, um, so I was raised in St. Paul, um, mm. and I grew up sort of halfway on the east side of St. Paul and in the historic Rondo, um, neighborhood of okay. St. Paul. Mm -hmm. And, uh, on my mom's side, many generations of my family, I believe my great, great grandmother, um, who came here, uh, from Milwaukee in the late 1800s was the first black homeowner on rondo in 1909 i believe wow she home there and uh so that side of my family is very 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 deep saint paul roots hmm. and uh you know this place i've left this place many times i lived in <laughs> california um uh, for uh, undergraduate i lived in arizona uh for a couple years I lived in new york where i went to graduate school and studied and um dominican republic uh where i married my wife and every single time um saint paul has has pulled me back uh, there's something about this place um it is unique among among cities it is the world's biggest small town um in essence 
Um, we, you know, families go way back there. Um, for instance, Formula, my my original business partner, Eric Goodlow, um, mm-hmm. we grew up there in the neighborhood playing sports together, playing in the, the band together, um, went mm-hmm. to high school together. We've known each other since we were probably 12 or 13 years old. Um, mm-hmm. Nathan Johnson, our other business partner, yeah. our grandfathers introduced us because our grandfathers were neighbors on Rondo and friends and mm-hmm. we're talking to each other and said, oh, you know, old man Johnson's uh, grandson is studying architecture too. And I'm like, who was old man Johnson? <laughs> well, we didn't know them because all of our families were displaced because of the freeway. So the younger generations of the family just didn't know each other, but the grandparents were still friends, lifelong friends. And so it was through our grandfathers that we were introduced to one another um, as students. And, you know, the rest is history on that. So St. Paul, uh, St. Small, it's it's one of those things where, you know, family ties uh, run deep, community ties run generationally. And uh, it's a really tough place to leave. I mean, you know, I've left many, many times, but you know, family and community and um, those close bonds with with friends uh, really they pull you back here in St. Paul. Mm-hmm. That's awesome! What a fascinating story. And St. Paul's lucky to have you. So, thank um, you. It's it's uh, really been fun talking to you about your work and all the different things you've done. Um, I, we, we covered a lot of ground there. Our, <laughs> Are you, yeah. do you have anything else you care to add before we wrap up? I don't want to take up too much of your time. Uh, I guess just that, you know, I really believe in, in cities. I really believe in, in people's collective ability to come together and figure out stuff and to solve problems. And, you know, we're kind of at a inflection point here, um, in America and in our, in our communities. And so I want to call for, you know, coming together, um, or working together and really like, let's all put our best foot forward and let's, you know, build a, a continue to build a better world for our kids and, and for our grandkids. Um, I think that's something that we here in the twin cities, um, after, uh, the years that we dealt with, uh, through COVID and through, um, you know, the tragic situation with the murder of, of big Floyd, um, over in Minneapolis. Um, I think any opportunity that I get to sort of, um, just reiterate that, uh, that we're, we're stronger together than we are apart. And this is the time to heal and to come together and to really move forward. Um, there's great things ahead of us. Um, and we're only going to get there together. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, I think that's, that pretty much sums up where where I'm at right now. Well, very well stated and keep up the good work, James. Really nice talking to you. Hopefully we can stay in touch. Definitely. Definitely. We're here downtown. Anytime you, you want to come down. Love awesome. I'll take you up on that sometime. Great. Have a good day, sir. Thanks. You too. Thank you.